0: part three chapter six seven and eight of charles rex by ethel m dell this librivox recording is in the public domain six the sacred fire the party that gathered on the quay at fair harbour on the hot july day when saltash's new yacht the blue moon lay awaiting her christening was of a very gay description the yacht herself was decked with flags and the hotel facing the quay the anchor was also decorated with bunting all the visitors in town were congregated about the shore or were rowing in pleasure-boats near the centre of attraction the yacht lay moored to the quay on which by saltash's orders a long strip of red carpet had been laid leading to the gangway which was decorated with trails of flowers the day was glorious and cloudless the sea of that intense blue that melts to the horizon without any dividing line like the blue of a smoked pearl saltash's idea was to take his guests for a cruise across the bay after the ceremony and he planned to complete the celebrations with a fete on the water at night everything was in readiness and by two o'clock he was already receiving his guests Maud and jake stood with him and little eileen very intent and serious held toby's hand and looked on from the background captain larpent was on the bridge looking very forbidding even contemptuous he had never had any liking for the gay crowds with which it was saltash's pleasure to surround himself he had the air of a magnificent viking above the frivolities with which he was surrounded there was nothing of the ornamental about his rugged exterior but his very aloofness made him imposing he looked straight over the heads of the buzzing throng that poured on to the deck general melrose and his daughter were among the last to arrive and with them came Bunny, very merry and handsome, his dark eyes singling out Toby in a flash as she stood with her small charge. She had just lifted the child to stand on a ledge where she might overlook the proceedings when he joined them. Hello, he said eagerly. I'm later than I meant to be. I've been lunching with General Melrose. Ye gods, what a crush! Where do they all come from? Well, sweetheart, he bent to the child, enjoying your precious little self? The soft violet eyes met his with a deep contentment as she lifted her face for his kiss. I think it's lovely, she said earnestly. He stood up and looked again with swift appreciation at Toby. The girl was dressed very simply in white, her vivid face shadowed by a broad straw hat. She met his look with a grimace of boyish dissatisfaction. Bunny, what a ghastly gathering! For goodness sake, don't look at me like that! I feel like a painted marionette! Are you painted? said Bunny. You don't look it. She made a vehement gesture of disgust. As soon as this show is over, I shall get into riding things and go like the like the like the dish when it ran away with the spoon, suggested Bunny with a grin as she paused. Well, if you'll be the spoon, I'll be the dish, and we'll show show 'em all a clean pair of heels, shall we? I certainly won't be the spoon, said Toby with decision. You can find someone else to play that part. Try Miss Melrose she doesn't look as if she'd object she's a very pretty girl said bunny rather aggressively of course she's a pretty girl it's what she's for toby's chin went up she couldn't be anything else bunny laughed well cheer up she's not the only one on board do you know any of these people toby shook her head promptly and don't want aren't they awful oh here's jake wonder how much he's enjoying himself whether Jake were enjoying himself or not was not apparent in his manner as he came up and shook hands with Bunny, then turned to lift his little girl onto his shoulder. "'Hold tight, Innocence. What do you think of it all?' "'I think it's lovely, Daddy,' she answered, clasping him closely. "'Does Mummy like it, too?' He smiled at the anxiety in her question. "'Guess she'll come through it all right. She's not exactly keen on this sort of thing. But we're here, eh, Innocence?' that ought to make a difference old general melrose turned sharply at the sound of the soft voice he had not noticed jake until that moment why bolton he said what are you doing here jake moved forward deliberately well he said i guess i'm here in support of my wife who has undertaken the chief part in the ceremony about to take place the old soldier looked at him from under beetling brows Ah, your wife, that's Maud Bryan, isn't it? Somehow I always think of her as Maud Bryan. So she still keeps up the old friendship with Saltash. I wonder you allow that. Jake's red brown eyes held a smile. She pleases herself, sir, he said, and she pleases me. That a child of yours? asked the General abruptly. But I needn't ask. She's got Maud's eyes sheila come and see this kitty of mauds he spoke imperiously over his shoulder and sheila turned in answer her soft eyes kindled oh what a darling how do you do mr bolton i know you well by name and this is your little girl what is her name Eileen whispered the child clinging rather nervously to jake's shoulder innocence said jake ah how sweet the girl said I must get your mummy to bring you to see me. Would you like to? I wonder. I think so, said Eileen shyly. Maybe you'll come and see her first, said Jake. I should like you to see the stud, sir. We've got some stock that I think would interest you. That would be delightful, Sheila said in her gracious way. We are here for another fortnight. I had no idea it was such a lovely place. Have you seen Burchester? asked Bunny she turned to him never i want to see it lord saltash said something about it the other day so i am hoping there is a chance of doing so you are very fond of it sir bernard yes it's my job just now i'm head keeper laughed bunny miss larpin thinks i'm very inefficient but i do my best i never said so said toby she flushed at his obvious intention of drawing her into the group but sheila melrose at once held out a welcoming hand "'Miss Larpent, do you know I can't help feeling that I've seen you somewhere before? "'Yet I can't quite remember where. "'Could it have been at Valrosa?' "'Oh, no,' said Toby. "'It couldn't possibly have been there.' "'And yet I can't help thinking it must have been,' said Sheila, looking at her with knitted brows. "'Were you at that fancy-dress affair at the Casino Hotel? "'I have a feeling I have seen you—somewhere—in fancy-dress.' "'Never.' said toby with decision you must be thinking of someone else sheila still looked at her with puzzled eyes wait she said i shall remember in a moment it was someone exactly like you i know someone dressed as a boy toby made a sudden sharp movement and clapped her hands excitedly look look there goes the bottle i hope she'll manage to break it sheila's attention was instantly diverted the crowd surged forward maude with saltash on her right and larpent on her left stood by the rail she held up a bottle that gleamed golden in the sun saltash was laughing he stood bareheaded his dark face alight toby's eyes went to him in a single flashing glance and remained fixed bunny looking at her was for the moment curiously moved it was as if he looked from afar upon some sacred fire that had suddenly sprung into ardent flame before a distant shrine then came maud's voice sweet and clear speaking the name of the yacht and like a golden flame the bottle curved through the pearl-like ether and crashed upon the bows. a murmur went up and then a shout the bottle had broken and the wine rushed in a sparkling cascade to the water something impelled bunny he gripped toby by the elbow he almost shook her hurray he yelled it's done she's off toby looked at him with the eyes of a dreamer eyes in which a latent fear underlay the reverence then meeting his eyes she seemed to awake her features contracted for a moment but she controlled them swiftly and laughed laughing she drew him away the yacht had throbbed into movement the ropes were being flung aboard they were steaming away, and a great blast went up from the siren as they drew from the quay. Everywhere was tumult, rejoicing. People were shouting, talking, laughing, waving hats and handkerchiefs. The whole world seemed a buzz of merriment, and out of the very thick of it, Toby's voice, small and tense, spoke into Bunny's ear. Let's get away. Let's go to Lord Saltash and—and—and and, and congratulate. Her hand was on his arm. She pulled at it urgently, insistently and bunny went with her moved again he knew not wherefore by that feeling that something had frightened her he grasped her hand and made a way for her through the crowd they went to the laughing group in the bows saltash was standing close to maude he was making some careless jest to her when suddenly he turned and found the boy and girl hand in hand behind him his swift look flashed over them and then in his sudden way he put a hand on the shoulder of each it was a lightning touch and he laughed oddly as he did it as a man laughs who covers some hidden hurt we came to congratulate said bunny good luck to her and saltash with his royal air of graciousness made light reply i thank you for your congratulations my children but may the luck be yours i see it coming and with that lightly he moved away from his guests leaving a trail of merriment wherever he went save where the boy and girl stood together in the bows in a silence that neither seemed able to break seven surrender that night fair harbour bay looked like a velvet bed on which glittered many jewels the blue moon lighted from bows to stern lay in the centre and from her deck there went up showers of coloured rockets that fell like burning rain upon the sea there was a string band on board and the strains floated across the water as echoes from another world-a wonder world of soft melodies and laughing voices and lightly splashing oars toby sat in the stern of a boat with a single rower in front of her and trailed her fingers through the magic water she was bareheaded and the breeze of the summer night stirred tenderly the golden ringlets that clustered about her brow her face seen now and then in the flare of the rockets had a strange look almost a look of dread her blue eyes were very wide open like the eyes of a startled child she spoke scarcely at all and bunny did not urge her only as he rode he watched her with grave determination on his boyish face he had claimed her as his partner early in the evening and she had made no attempt to thwart him but something in that half-scared silence of hers moved him very deeply his own was protective resolutely reassuring once, when she started nervously at an unexpectedly loud report from one of the rockets, he spoke to her as he would have spoken to a small frightened animal. "'It's all right. I'll pull out a bit, shall I? These things make such a beastly row.' She thanked him in an undertone, and he began to row steadily away from the yacht and the thronging boats. "'You tell me when I've gone far enough,' he said. But she did not tell him and he rowed on and on through the dark water with only the rhythmic splashing of the oars to fill the silence between them they left the laughter and the noise behind and began to draw towards the far corner of the bay the shore rose steeply from the water here and there came to them the soft breaking of the waves against the cliff as they neared it toby came out of her silence with a jerk bunny do you really think it would answer sure said bunny promptly he drew in his oars with the words, and they drifted on the summer tide. Toby was looking at him in the starlight with a dumb and piteous irresolution in her eyes. Bunny leaned to her as he sat with outstretched hands. "'You poor little frightened mouse,' he said. "'What is it that's troubling you? Do you think I wouldn't make you happy?' "'I think you'd try,' she said dubiously. For a few seconds she hung back, hesitating. Then swiftly— Almost with the gesture of one who casts aside a burden, she threw out her trembling hands and thrust them into his. He took them and held them fast, drawing them gently to him till he had them against his heart. "'I would try, sweetheart,' he said softly. "'Would you?' whispered Toby. "'Would you?' She went nearer to him. He could feel her trembling from head to foot. "'You think I wouldn't succeed?' he asked her tenderly you think i'd make you sorry i don't know she answered quiveringly i i'm thinking most of you wondering whether it would be good for me to have my heart's desire jested bunny softly think it would be too much for me what darling no no said toby not that only wondering if you are wanting the right thing wondering if the thing you call your heart's desire will bring you happiness "'It—it it doesn't always, you know, Bunny. Life is like that.' Her voice sank a little. "'What do you know about life?' he said. She shook her head, her face downcast. "'Oh, too much, too much,' she said. Bunny sat motionless for a moment or two, but his hold was strong and comforting. At length, very gently, he began to draw her nearer he almost expected her to resist him but she did not as he drew her she yielded till with a sob she suffered herself to be drawn close into his arms he had her on the thwart beside him her face hidden against his shoulder he laid his cheek down upon her hair and sat silent toby was sobbing a little and he patted her shoulder soothingly but he did not speak until with a quivering sigh she relaxed against him and was still then in a whisper Toby, Mavornine, he said, I'm going to tell you something that's come to me lately, something I've guessed. You needn't answer me. I don't want you to answer me. Only to know that I know. There's another fellow in your heart, and he's got a bigger place than I have, at present. No, don't tremble, darling. It's all right. I know, I know. He's the sort that women simply can't keep out he's a fine chap too and i'm fond of him always have been but look here mavournine you're not going to break your precious little heart over him you know quite well it's no use don't you you know-well anyhow to a certain extent you know what he is don't you he paused for an answer but toby quivered in his arms and was silent he put up a hand and pressed her head closer to his breast he'll never marry he said he doesn't mean to. He almost told me so the other day. But, Toby, he takes a friendly interest in you and me. He'd like us to have each other. Don't you think—his voice had a hint of humor—don't you think we might fix it up just to please him? Perhaps, some day, we may find that we're pleased ourselves as well. Oh, my dear, Toby whispered. Her arm crept round his neck, but she did not lift her head he clasped her more closely and went on very softly i love you enough to think of your happiness first my darling you're not happy now i know that all right but you will be i swear you shall be if you will marry me you like me just a bit don't you and you wouldn't be afraid to trust yourself to me no murmured toby with an effort i wouldn't be afraid then you'll give me my chance he urged gently you'll put your dear little hand into mine and trust me will you darling will you but toby was silent won't you he said in a whisper her arm tightened about his neck she was breathing quickly nervously from across the water came the sounds of laughter and cheering the softened strains of the band that played on the deck of the blue moon close at hand was only the low wash of the waves as they lapped against the cliff they floated quite alone over the dark depths rising and falling with a slow heave of the tide but making no headway won't you bunny said again after a long silence and suddenly toby raised her head and spoke i will do whatever you wish she said there was a slight break in her voice but it held no indecision her eyes looked straight into his in the starlight. He saw them shining and knew that they were big with tears. But she did not flinch from his look or start as his lips came to hers. She slipped her other arm about his neck and clasped him close. You'll be good to me, Bunny, she said in a whisper. And he answered her deeply, his lips against her own. I will be good to you, my darling. So help me God. Eight. The Magician's Wand. I can't think where I've seen that girl before, said Sheila thoughtfully, drumming her fingers on the white rail, her soft eyes fixed upon the jeweled bay. She has an arresting face. You have never seen her, said Saltash carelessly, flicking cigarette ash overboard. She has the sort of face that the old Italians worshipped, and some of the moderns too. You have seen it in their pictures. Sheila's brows were drawn. I have seen her, somehow, dressed as a boy she said could it have been a picture yes one of spantoli's i've got a print somewhere it's called the victim a lad with a face like Larpent's daughter fighting a leopard saltash spoke with easy conviction his restless eyes flashing to and fro often glancing but never resting upon the girl beside him that's what you're thinking of it's an unsatisfactory sort of picture one wonders which is the victim "'But that is Spantoli all over. "'He always leaves one wondering.' "'I know the thing you mean,' Sheila nodded meditatively. "'Yes, she is, rather like that. "'The boy was the victim, of course.' "'She turned towards him suddenly with the words, "'You can't possibly doubt that. "'The brute's teeth are almost in his throat. "'I think it's a horrible picture myself.' "'Saltash laughed.' a deliverer arrives sometimes he remarked even in the last most awful moment of all have you never said to yourself how seldom the thing we really expect comes to pass sheila's lips parted with a touch of scorn perhaps it is safer not to expect she said perhaps agreed saltash with his quick grimace i learnt that lesson a long time ago there are so many slips especially when the cup is full he added inconsequently and even if it gets there the wine is sour as often as not when you come to drink i can quite believe it said the girl and looked out once more over the wreathing flowers to the rippling waters of the bay her mouth took a firm line and saltash glancing at her began to laugh do you know miss melrose it's rather curious but you remind me of spentoli too in some ways "'I don't know if you and Miss Larpent possess the same characteristics, "'but I imagine you might develop them given the same conditions.' "'Sheila stiffened at the words. "'I am sure you are quite wrong,' she said coldly. "'Captain Larpent's daughter is quite obviously a child of impulse. "'I am not.' "'I think you would be impulsive enough to fight the leopard if he came your way,' "'contended Saltash with idle insistence. "'Or perhaps you would charm him.' i imagine that might be more in your line again the girl's lip curled she said nothing for a moment then deliberately for the first time in her life she snubbed him no i should never try to charm a beast lord saltash you prefer them savage countered saltash she made a careless gesture with one hand without replying she did not even look towards him i think miss larpent might be quite clever in that respect she said she is-a born charmer by jove he said what a cruel compliment sheila said nothing she was watching a small boat rowing steadily towards them through the dark water with eyes that were grave and fixed saltash's look followed hers and he grimaced to himself oddly wryly as a man who accomplishes a task for which he has no liking then in a moment he turned the conversation did you ever meet roselle Daubeny, the enchantress sheila's soft eyes came to him at the sudden question no i have heard of her i have never met her i don't want to meet her why he threw her a daring glance it would do you good to meet her she is a born charmer if you like she charms women as well as men and beasts an adventuress said sheila Yes, an adventuress, one of the most wonderful, I should say, who ever lived. She is in Paris just now. When she comes to England, again his look dared her, I will take you to see her. It will be an education for you. Thank you, Sheila said. He laughed aloud and suddenly stretched his hand to her with a movement of good fellowship. I'm only teasing. Don't be cross. I wouldn't take you to see her for all the gold of Ophir she is rotten too rotten even for me which is saying much sheila hesitated momentarily before she gave her hand why did you speak of her what brought her to your mind he glanced again towards the little boat now drawing near to the yacht but he did not answer her question till her hand met his i have a somewhat elastic mind he said then and smiled his most baffling smile it was your talk of charmers that did it I was trying to think of all I had met. "'All the Roselles and the Tobies," said Sheila with a hard little laugh. He gripped her hand and released it. "'I have never met more than one of each,' he said, "'which may be the secret of their charm. "'Don't class them together in your mind for a moment. Larpent's daughter may be a born charmer. "'Young Bunny Bryan seems to think so at any rate. "'But she is not, and never will be, an adventuress.' is bunny brian fond of her really fond of her asked sheila saltash nodded sure thing as jake would say and he's a sound chap too i hope he'll get her she is not very likely to refuse said sheila turning from the rail the little boat had passed out of sight under the lee of the yacht a great rocket whistled skywards and broke in a violent flare that lighted sea and shore the fete was over and people were crowding on board. The band was playing a selection from a comic opera, and a few voices were singing the careless sentimental words. Saltash turned with his companion. "'And now we are going to supper at the anchor. I must get Mrs. Bolton to lead the way. Poor Jake is bored to the soul, but he's facing it like a man. Fine fellow, Jake.' "'Oh, is he a friend of yours?' Sheila asked. "'A very particular friend, I mean.' saltash grimaced to the stars no i don't think so ask jake he knows me better than some that's all and i know him they left the yacht's rail and joined the oncoming throng it was like a scene out of a fairy tale the gaudy chinese lanterns bobbing to and fro the gaily colored crowd the shining white yacht rocking gently on the noiseless swell everyone was laughing some were singing there was not a serious face to be seen in all the crowd that poured over the red-carpeted gangway from the quay. "'Where is Toby?' said Maude. She was standing with Jake in the many-hued glow of the lanterns, and she asked the question with a momentary anxiety, for she had looked in vain for Toby for some time. "'She's with Bunny. She's safe enough,' said Jake. "'But they haven't come on board yet, and they've been gone so long,' Maude said." it's curious how little captain larpent seems to interest himself in her doings mighty curious agreed jake for larpent had kept to the bridge morosely almost throughout the evening he was standing there now looking down upon the shifting chattering crowd he had no idea how long it would be before saltash tired of the game and gave orders to set sail he waited in dumb endurance as he would wait from day to day until the longed-for moment arrived it had happened often before. Saltash's caprice had sometimes driven him to the verge of rebellion. But no one, not even Saltash himself, ever suspected it. Silent, phlegmatic, inexpressive, Larpent held on his undeviating course. Maude's attention did not linger upon him. No one, save perhaps Saltash, ever paid much attention to Larpent. She turned back to watch the now empty gangway, and in a moment she gave an exclamation of relief ah here they come at last a laughing voice spoke behind her enter cinderella and the prince she started and saw saltash's swarthy face close to her his odd eyes looked into hers with a flash of mischief see how all my plans bear fruit he said i wave my wand and you behold the result she turned from him to look again upon the advancing couple they were crossing the gangway alone toby slim girlish her wide blue eyes shining like the eyes of an awakened child bunny close behind her touching her his hand actually on her shoulder possession and protection in every line of him he was murmuring into her ear as they came and his face was alight with the glory which no earthly lamp can kindle behold saltash said again and moved forward in his sudden fashion to receive them he met them as they stepped on board and in a moment they were the centre of observation the buzz of talk died down as the general attention focused upon them Maud was aware of jake standing squarely behind her and she put out a hand to him which he grasped and held saltash was laughing but they could not hear what he said only in a moment he had taken a hand of Bunny's and a hand of toby's and joined them together toby's eyes were lifted to his face she was smiling with lips that trembled, and Maud's heart gave a great throb of pity. She could not have said wherefore. She had a deep longing to go and gather the child into her arms and comfort her. Then Toby, too, was laughing, and she heard Saltash's voice. "'These things only happen properly once in a blue moon, ma chère. I give you both my blessing for the second time to-day. I wish you better luck than has ever come my way.' he threw a gay malicious glance towards the bridge where Larpent stood like a grim viking looking down upon the scene come he said we had better go and tell your daddy next he led them lightly forward and the crowd opened out with jests and laughter to let them pass toby walked between the two men very pale but still smiling a smile that was curiously like the smile of a child that is trying not to cry oh poor little thing maud whispered suddenly and drew back beside jake as if she could not bear to look she'll be all right said jake stoutly don't you fret any bunny's sound oh yes i know i know but she's so young all the yearning of motherhood was in maud's voice does she love him does she jake's hand gripped hers more closely he looked into her face with a smile in his red-brown eyes maybe not as we know love he said it doesn't come all at once that sort she smiled back at him for she could not help it even as she shook her head in misgiving sometimes it doesn't come at all she said end of part 3 chapters 6 7 and 8